Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 20. I, I want to say thank you to the preachers last night. What amazing messages. I will sit in the front row. Uh, I just forgot that uh, I was who I was. I felt like a teenager, and I just loved every minute of it, and I wanted to recommit myself to every way that was preached, uh, that both messages. I tell you, if just yesterday, I was telling my son, if just yesterday that was the conference, that would have been just perfect. And uh, if God has not spoken to you yet, you would have missed the whole thing. And uh, just, I'm so thankful. And even now, uh, the message of Brother Francis, and I just love him very much, and his humility and sincerity uh, just comes out of him. And, and not just while he's behind the pulpit, but every, every day in, in any situation. I'm so thankful for him and his friendship, and, and as well as uh, the men sitting behind me. I'm very humbled to be using the pulpit at this moment. And uh, my dear friend, Brother Judah, and I thought our secret was secret, but not no more. Uh, so... Um, Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 20, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I commend thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of the same hour, and when, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains were, was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, and saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city." Let's pray and ask God to bless this message. Father, please bless. Again, we stop the service to ask for your blessing because we're so conscious of the fact that without you, we can do nothing. And unless the spirit of you, Father, falls fresh on us this morning, this very moment as you have before during this morning, Father, please, nothing will happen. And we need your spirit. We need your, you feel welcomed among us to come through and walk through the, through the aisles of our heart, Lord. And just speak to us in ways that only you can. As Brother Francis just got through sharing with us, Lord, that quiet and still voice. Help us, Father, to be quiet enough as the world screams to listen to your word, to listen to your, your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here we find Paul in the middle of his ministry, really the most intense part of his ministry. Now he's not next to Barnabas and he's... He's, uh, he's on his own, and he's picked up a couple of young men that are uh, his, uh, by choice, he, God has uh, put in his heart to, to, to walk them along his side, and he's serving now, and he, uh, he's met up with Lydia in a prayer meeting, just going off to pray, and he meets this lady, and God opens her heart for the gospel, and she's saved, and, and, uh, and then in between uh, this story, we find this demon-possessed damsel, and, uh, and then after this situation, he's found with the, the, the prison keeper, which the, the, the prison walls fall as they prayed and, and sang to the Lord. We know the story. We've sang it about it. We were singing about it last night. And, uh, and it's one of the most popular stories of the Bible, the New Testament, as, as the only place in the Bible we see a man call out and say, what must I do to be saved? Many messages have come from both of these stories and stuck in this, in this chapter here. 
But in between this, these two amazing stories of salvation and baptism and, and what a wonderful truth it is, but in between this, we find a story of this damsel. Now, we don't know the name of this uh, lady. We never heard, hear about her again in the New Testament. Uh, it doesn't even say if she was saved. All we know is that she was bothering the Apostle Paul, and she didn't leave him alone as uh, following her and, 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 and interrupting whatever Paul was doing for many days. Now, whenever the New Testament uses the word many, it, it literally could be weeks and many days, as we know, as we see in the book of Acts, and how, uh, you know, the Lord talks about those that were uh, uh, starting the new church, uh, you know, this the numbered 12, and then the 120, and then, and then it goes to 3,000, and then it goes to 5,000, and, and then after that, it just starts about many uh, were added to multiply to the, to the, to the church. So uh, I can imagine that uh, several days passed with this this damsel, this lady that was demon-possessed, and this demon particularly would give her the ability to uh, divinate, to, to, to read car- uh, hands maybe, palms or whatever, and, and grant the people that were paying high money to see the future. And so uh, this, this, this lady was governed or controlled by her masters. So the story tells us, and these men were upset uh, that Paul had interrupted what they had going with this lady. Now, it's very easy to miss this story by reading the story of Lydia. What a beautiful story. And, and reading the story of the prison. And really, we, are, we gravitate naturally to these two stories because of the outcome of salvation. But in, stuck in between these two stories, uh, it's a terrifying truth. I say this terrifying truth because we see within these few verses... Satan's hope. And that's what I want to share with you this, this morning. Satan's hope. Just as this damsel was the hope of these masters, these wicked men, that they were profiting from her and gaining from, from her their gains, their riches. Their, they were using her, listen to me, they were using her for their own gain. They could care less of, about her. They really didn't care about her. They were just utilizing her to accomplish their, 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 their end, their, their hope. She was a means to an end. And Paul ends up running into this lady. And I believe with all my heart that this story is, is, is here in Scripture, found in the Word of God, for us to draw a truth from it. And as I was reading this story, uh, as I'm studying through the book of Acts with our, with our, our Spanish congregation, and I ran into this story, it, it just, it really hit me like a brick. And I, I started looking in f- further into it, and I'm so thankful for the Word of God, how deep it is, how rich it is, and how marvelous it is. You can sometimes, if you're not careful, read through something and not even understand the wonderful truth that's in there. But I'm so thankful that I was taught to slow down and just let the Word of God sink in and enjoy it like you would enjoy, uh, you know, a nice, beautiful steak, you know, or, or some chorizo with huevos, you know, that just, you just kind of sink it in, you know, and, uh, and you, you know, uh, how many of you guys like uh, uh, Mexican food? Raise your hand. You guys like bringing Mexican food? I, I, you see, I feel like I'm at home now. I'm comfortable. You know, uh, all these preachers, uh, just think of me as the salsa in between all these preachers, okay? There's got to be good salsa and good chili in, in the food. If not, it's not real good food. I've seen Preacher Brown, uh, he, he can eat with the best of us. I mean, he, with some hot sauce and everything. We were sitting down the other day, sitting together, and he went for the most spicy stuff. And I was like, 
was like, are you Mexican? I mean, is there something in you that, but I'm so thankful for him, right? It's good to be, uh, you know, uh, in the chili business, amen? Well, so the devil, just like these men, desire to use and profit from whomever would lend himself as an instrument. You see, just like he entered into Judas' heart and used him to betray the Lord, and just as he provoked David to tempt God, recounting his army and the men with swords, Satan's hope is hidden within this story, but revealed to us by his spirit and his mercy. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are in a battle, right in the middle of an ongoing war between good and evil, the dark side and the good side. The devil and our God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I I highlight these words, principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. I I don't understand that passage completely, but what I do understand is that the devil is a, it has devices and he is secretly trying to do his will. You see, he understands that he cannot raise up against the church. He knows God's word and he knows that there's a promise of God that protect the word of God. Uh, to protect, I'm sorry, the church. He knows he cannot destroy the word of God. You see, it's everlasting. It's promise of God. And he has tried to destroy it, but, but God's word is pure and God's word will be forever. You know, he, he understands he, he cannot destroy these things. But one thing the devil knows is that he can't maybe directly attack God. But if he can just slow us down, if he can just hurt us, damage us, uh, hinder us, uh, uh, sideline us, and just affect us just subtly, just unawares enough to hold off, just to hold his will to be accomplished, to affect his cause, many more to get saved. He is satisfied with that outcome. And the devil will use whomever he can, uh, what, whoever lends himself, whoever is not aware, whoever does not realize his devices and lends himself as an instrument to his cause. And that is exactly what the devil does. You see, he doesn't declare himself. He doesn't come out right. He, he disguises himself. He's in the, the shadows, mind you. He's, he's in the back seat or even in between. And just like the devil is in the mix of this amazing chapter where Lydia is getting saved and her family getting baptized and then the uh, prison, the, the keeper uh, getting saved and baptized and all his family, in between these two amazing stories, we find the devil's presence. And I believe that, I hate to say it, but I believe the devil's presence is as well here. Not in in a ruling fashion. I believe God is here and I believe God is in command. And I believe God will do his will no matter what. He he is in power and and I'm so thankful that his his presence is right here. But I believe the devil has been working in some of our hearts. 
in some of our minds. You see, it's very difficult to capture and to understand God's word in our life and keep his word in our heart when our hearts are full of distraction and, and the worldly things and the lustful things of this world. It's very difficult to capture what God wants us to hear when all we do is Netflix and, and uh, TikTok and, and, and Instagram and social media. Not, I'm not saying necessarily that those particular things are bad. What I'm saying is that the devil uses whatever he can use just to hold us back enough. You see, this is exactly what we're seeing here. This demon-possessed girl was bothering Paul. Just being a nuisance. Paul was minding his own business. As a matter of fact, he just witnessed to Lydia. He just saw her get saved. He's moving on as Paul would in every city, preaching the gospel with boldness. And, and you, God would use Paul amazingly. But listen, in between his, his ministry... You see the devil just bothering, bothering, interrupting. You see, I want you to notice Satan's hope. And it's dug deep inside this little story. And I want you to listen to it because I believe with my whole heart that this is the reason why we have seen the struggles of this generation that we're seeing. The first hope of the, of the devil we see in this story is here, verse, verse, found in verse number 17. It says here, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High, which show unto us the way of salvation. You see, Satan's hope is that we would follow man, but not the God of that man. I want you to see that with me. This, this, this damsel, possessed damsel, is following the man of God. And I want to say, Paul, what a great, amazing Christian. I don't know if there's been another greater Christian from Jesus Christ this way. Paul, the great preacher of preachers, the, the, the powerful man of God, the apostle Paul, wrote most of, uh, of the New Testament, started so many churches. What an amazing servant of God. This demon-possessed girl was following Paul but never followed the God of Paul. And that is exactly what's happening in today's generation of young people. We, we have so many Christians that are, that are sidetracked, that are away from God's will, that are discouraged, that are hurt, that are out of church, that are blaming uh, others and criticizing fundamentalism and, and preachers as a whole and attacking Christianity because someone hurt them, because someone failed, because someone uh, betrayed them, because somebody was a hypocrite, because somebody got caught doing something bad or, or was... Uh, was a pervert or was a, uh, a thief or what have you. And we and these people that never learned to follow the God of man, but just followed man, now find themselves discouraged out of the will of God, uh, criticizing everything and everybody because their hope was on the man instead of the man, the God of that man. You see, this is the subtle way the devil works. He makes you look at man and be, be wow, look at man and wow, what a preacher. and what a, My youth pastor, there's nobody else like him and, and my pastor and, and I'm thankful for godly leadership and I'm thankful for good men and praise the Lord for them. We ought to follow their lead as they follow God. But I'm thankful that I had a pastor that taught me love and respect and honor the men of God. But don't ever reverence them. Don't ever put them on a pedestal because men will always fail you but God will never fail you 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 9 through 19 that Paul learned this very lesson after many had betrayed him and left him. And he even named some of them. And he, he said out loud those that had betrayed him and those that were a hindering to him and a, a danger to his ministry. But then he says at the end, but thank God the Lord stood by my side. You see, every Christian needs to learn this lesson, so important lesson, to, to not just follow man, but learn to follow the God of that man. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it tells us about carnal Christians, a carnal Christian church, how they had favorites amongst each other, and, and some wanted to follow Apollos, and some wanted to follow Paul, and, and some Jesus Christ, and some this, and they had differences and they had division among them why because they were carnal christians they had their eyes set on man and not the god of that man the bible says in verse 4 that chapter first corinthians says for while one saith i am of paul and another i am of paulus are ye not carnal who then is paul and who is apollos but ministers by whom ye believed even as the lord gave to every man you see, who are we really but sinners saved by grace? Instruments in God's hands. And the sooner you learn this, you see, men of God that we find in the scriptures, they too had leaders that failed them. I think of uh, Joshua that had Moses, that he went with him all the way through the desert, preacher. All the way, but then Moses failed just right before the end. He let his temper get the best of him. His emotions get the best of him. And he could not go into the promised land along with Moses. I'm sure Joshua said, wait a minute. I've come with you all this way, Moses. I came with you all this way. I stood next to you when no one else stood next to you. But he had to detach himself from Moses and put his eyes on his God. I think of uh, uh, Samuel that we just heard about. That he had an Eli, a pastor that failed, that he had a terrible family, that his children were hypocrites, that they were false, and they died, and then he died, and he lost the presence of God over the people of God. Yet Samuel had to pick up the pieces and continue to serve the God of Eli. You see, you, what I'm trying to tell you is that we've, we have all seen great men of God fail. Yes, there are false uh, people, yes, there are preachers that maybe are good Christians but had a weak moment or failed, and yeah, they're not perfect. But we serve a perfect God, a faithful God. Listen to here. This point right here is very important because you know it to be true that there's a bunch of people attacking and criticizing. And there's podcasts that all they do is criticize and attack and look for every single moment and opportunity when another one bites the dust, when another one falls. They and they say, you see, they're all the same in Christianity and fundamentalism. It's just not good no more. But let me tell you and remind you that all men can fall, but God is faithful and true. He has never failed you and never, never will fail you. I probably fail you. Pastor Brown will probably fail you. Brother Judah will probably fail you, but God will never fail you. Oh, if we can get hold of that truth, because that's Satan's hope. That you would put your eyes on man and not the God of, of that man. Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Peter failed the Lord when he took his eyes off the Lord. It was a chronic problem that he had even towards the end when God called him back into the ministry. Yet he still had that problem in him. He looked at John and he said, what about this guy? 
You see, if you're not careful, you'll never get anywhere where God wants you to get if you keep putting your eyes on man instead of putting him on God. John said it best when he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus could not do much miracles when he visited his own country. Why? Because they couldn't get over the man. They said, is not this the carpenter's son? They couldn't see beyond the man. All they thought is, man, we used to play ball with Jesus. We, we grew up with him, and there's no way that he is the Savior. There's no way we got to come calling on him. They, could, they didn't have the capacity to see beyond the man in front of them. And that is the problem of so many Christians. We get stuck looking at the failures and, 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 and sins of the people instead of looking at the God of those people. Well, I hope you're listening. Because that's Satan's hope. Number two. Satan's hope is that we would exclude ourselves from the message preached. I want you to see with me in Acts chapter 16, verse 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. She was preaching the gospel. Here, 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 follow me here. She was preaching the gospel better than most of us will preach it. She was proclaiming the truth. But yet, she was saying, which, it says, which show unto us the way of salvation. It was a message that she was quoting and saying, but it was never for her. It was always for others. Achan excluded himself from the message of Joshua and thought he could get away with sin, and he destroyed his whole family. Saul excluded himself from the, the, the message preached by Samuel that they should not touch any unclean thing, and yet Saul uh, ended up uh, uh, disobeying the Lord and thinking that he would do it better. And Ananias and Sapphira excluded themselves from God's uh, 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 will, and everybody else surrendered everything that God told them to surrender, except them. They thought they were the exception. In Luke chapter 21, verse 34, the Bible says this, And take heed to yourselves, lest any, at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. Paul told Timothy this way, he said this, Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. Be doers of the word, the Bible says, and not hearers only. Follow me here. Satan's hope is that you would exclude yourself from the message preached. That you would just fall asleep. That you would just ignore enough. That you would say to yourself, well, let others go forward and commit themselves to purity and to not playing the dating game. I'm just fine just the way I am. Satan's hope is that you would say, let others surrender to full-time ministry. Let others give their life. I'm so thankful that at age 17, God called me to the ministry and I surrendered and let all my plans behind me and I surrendered all and gave my life to I would not change that for anything. I can't, I, I can't but to tell you that Satan's hope is that you today, right now, you would exclude this message preached. And all these messages that will come to you by way of God, that you would exclude yourself saying, well, I've heard it all. You know, I'm just waiting to hear so-and-so because he's my favorite. Just like Satan's hope. You keep putting your eyes on man. Hey, look at me. You keep putting your eyes on man. Keep doing that. That's not going to take you anywhere. But discouragement, failure. So many people are out of the will of God. Because of Satan's hope to exclude themselves. You know how many people 
exclude themselves from the message preached. Leaders do it. Pastors do it. Assistant pastors do it. Pastors' wives do it. Young people do it. We all have a, a weakness to think that this message is not for me. Let me remind you that this message is for you. Don't close your eyes and ignore the message. God is trying to speak to you. Satan's hope, number three, is that we would just make a lot of noise, but accomplish nothing. Notice, the Bible says she cried. She cried. That means she was yelling. She was yelling. She was, she was all just bothering. These men are, are the servants of the Most High. We show them to us the way said, These men are the servants of the Most High. They show them to us the way said, These men are the Most High. It's just a bunch of noise. But nobody, even though she was preaching the gospel, and she might not have been aware of it, nobody was crying and coming and saying, What must I do to be saved? Nobody was coming to kneel and say, Lord, save me. She was preaching the gospel, but nothing was happening. And that's it, Satan's hope. That we would be just a bunch of noise, but nothing's happening. Boy, there's a lot of noise in Christianity. There's a lot of Christians that know and they have talent and can sing and can serve and can do and do this, but nothing's really happening in their life. I don't ever want to be just a bunch of noise. Paul said it when in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said this, and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass a, think, a thinking symbol. Lot was just noise to his, to his son-in-laws. When he went and told him, hey, let's go, let's go, we got to get out of here. They probably said, what? Lot? You just, you're a hypocrite, Lot. What are you talking about, get out of here? You're just as bad as all of us. And they didn't follow him out of there. I think because Lot was just a bunch of noise. Listen, that's Satan's hope. You ever think of that? Isn't there just a lot of noise in Christianity? A lot of talent to, talentful people? We wish we'd have just an ounce of their talent. There's young ladies that have voices that you're like, man, I'm so thankful that, that the world has not discovered them. Young men that are just so sharp and smart and witty and, and have so much talent that could preach better than any preachers that I, I know. But they're not doing nothing for the Lord. They have not the power of God in their lives. They've seen nobody get saved in, in months and in, in years. They, they're not being used. Hey, let me ask you, when's the last time God used you to bring forward someone that was lost and got saved? And then you saw them go in believer's baptism and you watched them grow and discipled. And now they're sitting next to you, maybe down the aisle. And you can point to them right now and say, by God's grace, I remember the day that I met up with that person. And, and he got saved. And now look at them. They're right here next to me. But we're just a bunch of noise. We love the spotlight. We love the attention. But there's nothing happening through our lives for God. Nothing. Young people, I challenge you to go back home and fill up your youth ministry. Ask for a bus and say, Pastor, give me a bus. But by God's grace, I want to fill it. God can use me. Give, give me a classroom. Empty, all paint it, all clean it. But by God's grace, I want God to use me. I don't just want to be a talent. I don't want to just be filling the schedule in a, in a service and seeing a special. I want God to use me. Amen. Satan's hope is just, just be noise. 
I'll close with this last point. Satan's hope is that we would continue this same way and just let time pass. The Bible says there in verse 18, And this did she many days. Many days. How many days? I don't know. Jonah let three days and three nights go. How many people went to hell in those three days? Because he just let time pass. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 12, the Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now is a high time to awake out of sleep. For now, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is forespent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, we have to redeem the time because the days are evil, the Bible says. How many more days must pass? How many more weeks? How many more months? How many more years? How many more conferences? How many more counselings? How many more cries from your parents, from your pastors, from your youth pastors? How many more messages must we hear until we behold? Now is the day of salvation at hand. Don't you see it, young people? Don't you realize how soon Jesus is coming? Don't you see the wickedness and how they mock Christianity and how they mock the Bible and how they're coming after Christians and the beliefs of the Bible? Don't you see the wickedness? Don't you see TV? Don't you see the, the corrupted politicians? Don't you see the lies? Uh, don't you see the wickedness, the pornography, the music, how wicked it's become? Don't you see how desensitized Christianity is in today's society. These are all signs of the end. These are all signals that Jesus is coming soon. He could come tonight. Tonight, he could be the rapture and it's done. And then after the rapture, everything takes off. The seven year tribulation and a, and a curse that comes over this world. And maybe some of us here are going to stay around for that kind of thing. Because you keep thinking that you have time. Brother Judah, they keep thinking, uh, I, I just, I'll, keep, I'll keep just ignoring this convicting voice in my heart. And I know God's calling me, but I just, I have my plans and I, I want to make some money. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want to do this career and I just, no, let others go. I, oh, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll just make a lot of money, they say. And I'll just send to the mission field. As if God needs your money. As if God was waiting all eternity for you to be birthed and for you to make the difference financially in the mission field. No, he needs your life. And Satan's hope is that you keep ignoring the message and say that's for somebody else. While Jesus is at hand. Oh, as twinkling eye, he's coming. Look up at the stars. Look up, because he's coming. And all this is going to be much more than just an illustration and just stars and all this stuff. No, Jesus is coming soon. And those that believe in him and that are saved are going to go with him up in the clouds and, and forever be with him and with the Lord. Satan's hope is that you would take just what I just said and dismiss it and let continue the days go on. And you leave this conference the same way you came.
This is Satan's hope. This is Satan's hope, not mine. This is not a criticism towards you. I'm not attacking you. I'm just simply telling you, in this such small story, if you look carefully, you can see these examples in this demon lady that we never hear about her again. But this was Satan's hope. Just like she meant everything to these men and got so upset when they, Paul stopped it. The devil is super upset. Has been working overtime in your life so you won't interrupt his plans in your life. Because he's using you, you see. He's pushing you. He's using you to be a stumbling block to others. To be indifferent. To affect negatively the work of God. And this is Satan's hope. I hope you'd listen. Father, please bless the message this morning. Both messages, Lord, as we consider your word, Lord, and what you would want for our lives. We have an enemy. And Father, I've seen him at work too many times. Not only in my life, but in others. And I've seen what he can do when Christians allow themselves to be used by the devil, to not take heed and think that they can get past it, that they can be the exception. And there's so many Christians that are just but noise, but not sincere. They don't ever walk with you. They don't ever read their Bible. They don't ever pray. They don't ever fast. It's just all show. They know how to put on the tie, the suit, the dress. They know how to sing the special play the instrument, but it's all show. It's just a bunch of noise while this world goes to hell. Father, please give us young people that would understand that the stakes are high and that there's an enemy against you, Lord. And if we're not careful, we can be used by him.